as a young man, it is a blessing to meet other like-minded young men that are serving God. And that's what I found with Pastor Nick White. He is a passionate uh, person for the gospel's sake, for the city of Boston, for reaching people. And I greatly enjoyed my time with him uh, reading a book that he actually recommended right now. Might have to review that later on, but I hope you enjoy this. Mike McCurry Live, episode 23 with Pastor Nick White. Two and one. I believe we are live with Brother Nick White. I appreciate you being on. I was telling him just a moment ago that even through a host of technical difficulties, and I think I um, I would have my wife standing outside with like a golf club in the air to get better reception on, on this, these issues I'm having. But we got to work. And I appreciate him coming on, taking the time, starting a little bit early before 9 p.m. Central t- uh, Eastern time. I greatly appreciate you taking the time, sir. A um, little slightly different setup than we normally have, but we will make okay. it work. This is Michael McCurry Live, number 23, for those that are tuning in, those that are watching. And again, I appreciate you taking the time. This is one of the first interviews with someone that I have had no more than a text conversation with. And so I'm excited yeah. about meeting someone completely new. So in that vein, could you give me as long, I normally say 50 to 100 words, but give me as long of an intro to yourself as you'd like, because I know nothing about you. Sure. Uh, well, um, I am a church planner first. I'm a pastor. Well, I'm a, I'm a husband first, I guess I should say. But ministry-wise, uh, I'm a church planner, um, pastor to Victory Baptist Church. We started a church in Boston, Massachusetts, Southwest Boston, to be precise. And um, uh, man, I'm just trying to serve the Lord with my life. And I just want to make God happy. And um, I'm enjoying meeting new friends. And I appreciate you having me on. Um, and I, I enjoy encouraging other church planners, especially, and that's just my niche. Like, that's what I love to do is, is church plan. I love getting involved in that and especially for the Northeast, but, but, you know, America as well, I have a burden for our nation and I just want to do everything I can, man, for the cause of Christ. And, um, yeah, that's, that's basically like, you know, it's kind of awkward to like, to like go into <laughs> tell depth. Us, about tell yourself. us how great you are. Pat yourself yeah, on the let back me, for a Let second. me wax eloquent about all my good qualities. So yeah, no. <laughs> so, but that's basically everything about me. Sure. You um, graduated go, from. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I graduated from Commonwealth Baptist College, uh, born and raised in New Jersey, and that's probably the best thing about me is I was born and raised in New Jersey. But uh, no, man, I, I I love the Lord. I just want to serve Him with my life. Hey, Amen. I, I was thinking while you were saying that. I don't know if it'd be a good or bad idea. Maybe from the now on, we'll just have our wives tape an introduction to us. They yeah, really, really tell go. people leaves his socks on the floor. You know, yeah, all, exactly. You know, Perfect. Get the real authenticity. It's a buzzword, but you know, that's right. what all about authenticity, right? Yeah, but you got to be transparent. Exactly, exactly. I don't want to be too transparent, though. You get a little into trouble sometimes. But so yeah. you're a church planner yourself, but you greatly enjoy and have the opportunity to uh, encourage other church planners. Yeah. Talk a little bit about some uh, some aspects of what you do that, that has to do with, with encouraging church planning. Sure. Uh, well, I was uh, I worked at Clay's Mill Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky. One of the things I did was graphic design, um, you know, uh, designing like tracks and outreach cards and uh, doing all that stuff. Um, got to thinking at a young age, you know, when, when you're just a young guy, you know, there's not a whole lot we can do as far as like we, we don't give advice to a, a bunch of guys like especially the, the wise our, ones. The wise ones don't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, now I, we always know what to say. Right. Because we know everything. As soon as we graduate Bible college, I mean, we're just, you know, guns hot in the ministry and we're just ready to go to build our mega churches and be successful. But the truth is, in reality, um, we know nothing like we're. I literally, I love what the Bible says on how you must be made fools before you can be made wise. And, um, you know, I I can't call up a church planner and say, let me tell you how you can build your church. No, but I can, you know, provide money for them, not through my personal bank account, because I'm like Elijah in that aspect. I'm like, what shall I do for thee? Which is nothing like, uh, but I can uh, help with stewardship. So we have something called Revivus Publications and we print outreach materials, uh, tracks, door hangers. Um, and we also have uh, Northeast church planners and pastors who are established like proven leaders who write articles uh, to help church planners. And it helps me. Um, but what we do with the outreach materials, we sell them um, and, and, 
you know, pastors, that's a need, right? In our independent Baptist realm, we need tracks. We need to start reaching our neighborhoods. And basically the whole point is this in a nutshell. Um, you can reach the Northeast by reaching your neighborhood. By you buying tracks for your church and reaching your neighborhood, the profit that we get from that, we're going to turn around and give it to church planners. And so, um, man, praise the Lord. Uh, as of March, we started in August, I believe, from August to March, uh, we were able to give $5,000 to church planners in March at a church planning conference up in Groton, Massachusetts, uh, to Northeast church planners. And uh, we also provide free tracks. Like that's something we just started doing. We'll send a box of free tracks. Like we'll just call up a church planner up here and say, hey, man, uh, pick out 2,000 tracks of whatever you like on the website. We're going to send you a box. And, you know, we just want to do what we can. And I really feel like there's a lot of churches that wish they could do more to take on American church planners, especially because that's becoming one of the biggest needs for, you know, like you talk about a mission field, America has, it's becoming the greatest mission field now with the way things are going and especially the Northeast. I mean, it's a megalopolis, so many cultures, it's a melting pot. You could literally reach the world by reaching the Northeast. And, um, so I know there's a lot of pastors that they would love to take on all of these church planners to the Northeast and all of these church planners in, in America. But what we're doing is uh, we know you're going to buy tracks. So you might not be able to take on these church planners, but you can't afford tracks because they're at an affordable price. And when they buy the tracks, we take that profit and we turn it around and we just give it to church planners. And so it's just kind of an idea to help uh, promote stewardship. And also help promote church planning. And, um, you know, it, it, we're not big shots. Like, we're not promoting a clique or a, a, a circle of guys. We're just promoting a cause. And that's just plant uh, local New Testament churches in the Northeast. That's what we need, man. I feel like that's, that's just – people are so biblically illiterate in the Northeast. They don't know who Noah is. They don't know who David and Goliath is. Like, they've not heard any of this stuff, let alone – you know, they, Jesus to them is a curse word. Um, really, that's it. And so we just want to do what we can to reach Northeast. So that's really the main thing that we do uh, to encourage uh, as a ministry. And um, my good friend Ian Brown is doing that with me. And we've got several other New England pastors that have gotten on board with us. Uh, Pastor Tom Falk, Pastor John Barnes, Pastor Chris Baker, uh, Todd Bell. Uh, Paul Chapman. There's several guys who just said, okay, we, we're going to get behind this. And they have, and they've really helped us with that. So praise the Lord for what he's doing. That's, that's just one of the things we do for church planners. And um, that's really the main thing. So. Amen. Now, what, what got you, I, I say got you into as if it's just, you know, a hobby, but sure. how, how did God lead you into church planning in general? Was it something that was in your blood yeah. from a young age or just something God laid in your heart? Or how did that come about? I was saved at the age of five, um, but in my teen years, man, I didn't have a desire to serve God. I really, you know, was disinterested, and uh, I, I don't know what your background is, but Christian school kids can attest to this. I grew up in a Christian school. You hear chapel all the time, and you just grow numb, and you grow numb, and you hear good preaching, get spoiled, and that's what happened to me. I just disengaged, and I grew numb to God, and I had my own aspirations. And uh, when I surrendered to preach at the age of 15, uh, things really changed. And, um, you know, I, I always felt like I had a burden for the Northeast because I'm from New Jersey. And uh, I went to Solid Rock Baptist Church uh, with Pastor Charlie Clark uh, and some of the Charlie uh, out there. And they were always promoting the Northeast, the Northeast. And, uh, you know, God just lit a fire in my heart for the Northeast. And uh, when I was 18, I felt God definitely call me to Boston. And I didn't know if he wanted me to plant a church or, or take a church or whatever, just be an assistant pastor for a while. But I knew God wanted me in Boston. And uh, so I, I just started praying for God's leading. And um, last March, God put it on our hearts to go ahead and just start a church in Boston. And we just followed the Lord's leading. And six months later, uh, seven months later, I believe, we started in October uh, our first service of Victory Baptist Church. So God's good. And, and that's really how it all happened. It's just the Lord put a burden on my heart and I prayed about it and followed his leading. And he just, he made it a definite call and just said, I want you in Boston. And so we just Amen. followed him. Now, if you don't, if you don't mind, and, and as I said before, if there's any questions you'd rather not, let me know. Uh, but yeah. six, six, seven months uh, of time from let's go to it's gone, it's done. Yeah. How, how, did, how did that come about? Because a lot of folks that they can't make that kind of time frame happen. So how, how did sure. you guys make that happen? Well, uh, 
aggressive tactics uh, as far as like, you know, missionaries, like um, old school missionaries. This is what I did at first. I got this whole list of like churches and I just picked up the phone. And like these days, um, I'm just going to be honest, you know, pastors get a million calls. Like you're not going to stand out. So what I did was I used social media and we just pushed I the need on social media. I love that. Love yeah. it. And so honestly, we've raised most of our support through social media. But I will be honest uh, about this. You know, I, I, Pastor John Barnes, uh, he's a church planner. He, he planted Stateline Baptist Church up in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And uh, he gave me advice about this. He, he said a very wise statement. Obviously, method, or method, what's that word? Method, methodically? Method, methodically? Me- methodology? Pertaining methodology. methods. Hey, yeah, we're, pertaining, we're young pastors. We don't need those big words. Well, yeah, we, <laughs> keep it simple. Bottom <laughs> shelf. That's all we do. But no, uh, pertaining to methods. Um, sure. Yeah, you know, obviously there are definite things we need to follow. There's scriptural values, you know, there are the fundamentals of the faith, but there is no cookie cutter way to start a church. Like there's no definitive time frame that we have to follow to start a church. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to go on deputation for two years before you have your first service. Um, but some might. That might be God's timing. And honestly, when we when it, when we had our first service, we were at like forty percent in support. Like we really weren't like, but it's it's just, it's how God led us. And we were at the bare minimum, um, but the bare minimum was enough. Uh, it's just what God did. And, and we went ahead and we just started and we're still raising support, to be honest. I mean, we, we still mm-hmm. go to meetings um, next Wednesday or actually this Wednesday. I'm at a missions conference and uh, to raise support. We were at a missions conference last week. So, uh, you know, we're, we're still raising support, but, you know, I just want to live by faith, man. And um, I, I just want to honor God and I want to follow him to his timing and um, to be honest, I'm not very patient either. So uh, that kind of played into it. You know, God knows my heart. And, and if you wanted us to wait longer, I think he would have, but he provided in a way where we just went ahead and we, we got started and um, the Lord's been good in that aspect. So yeah, we were, we were pretty aggressive, but uh, you know, we're still raising support and, and all the guys who, ha- who go on deputation for two years, man, I have all the respect for them in the world, um, to go with their families, especially. And, uh, some people, it takes them a while to raise their support and others, it, it takes them very quickly. Uh, it just, it really depends. But I do believe that social media is a great tool to help like gain support for your ministry and what you're doing. I really do. I believe social media does have its downsides, but that's one of the good sides to it is you can raise support for your ministry. Absolutely. And I am, um, I feel like there's, there's a huge, um, gap between what we can be doing with it and what we are. Uh, and right. I, to be honest, part of what this podcast, whatever, part of the goal is it, I want to use this as a canary, not a canary. Cause that, that the canaries always died when they, when the fumes came, but, um, as a guinea pig or whatever, um, sure. they, they ex- experimented on too. It's not a good illustration. Uh, I don't know. As a good okay. um, example of what, of what social media can do though. Um, right. There's, Amen. there's, there's plenty of, and I mean, I don't know what the stats are currently, but the amount of content that's put on YouTube every day, you could literally sure. watch 24 seven and you personally would not put a dent in just the amount of new content. Oh, yeah. that's put out. Right. Um, and yes, this is, this is, you know, spinning in the wind compared to the amount of bad content that's put out there, but Hey, I'm doing something to put a little bit sure. of good content out there. Sure. Um, and, uh, but I, I appreciate guys that are gung ho and going after it. You, um, even 40% in seven months. I mean, that means in less than two years, it, you know, assuming it tracked, you know, sure. on that you'd be, you'd be well at that and you're working on that even now. And so you said, um, March was the time frame when you, when you started or when you started deputation, remind me there. When we started deputation, okay. yeah, we did gotcha. a, a localized part-time deputation. Uh, my wife, I, I will say this, my wife works a full-time job. Um, and then I do also as a, uh, we have our publications ministry, but I also do freelance graphic design. I do custom work for churches and for businesses. And, um, that kind of helps me with my schedule. It helps me to be flexible. And, uh, and then I have an, another part-time job. So, so, you know, we, we are taking on other, other jobs as well. Um, if we were to just take on that full load of support, we probably would be out for about two years, honestly. Right. Uh, we, like I said, it's it's not a cookie cutter way to do it. So mm-hmm. we just followed the Lord's leading in that way. And um, yeah, we're, we're hoping we can reach the 100% mark. Uh, we're having a baby. Uh, so that'll Congrats. be August 13th. Yeah, thank you. August 13th is our due date. And so we're trying to 
save up money up here, they need first month, last month, and security deposit to get into an apartment. And rent is typically uh, for like 800 square feet is about 1600 a month. So you need about like five grand up front just to get in a place. And it's pretty hard when you take on support too. And you call guys and you say, Hey, we want to get in. And they're like, okay, well, let me see like what you make every year. And you're like, well, we get all this support from churches. Like for some reason saying God will provide doesn't work for them. So uh, they, they need a little bit more than that, but God's been good. And he's helped us in uh, the place we're at now, but it's just a little small uh, for a baby. Dude, this is nuts, man. Babies take up more space than grown men. <laughs> Why is that? You know, Why is that? Um, I have two of them, a brand new one and one that's almost two. And so, um, yeah, we have our room and then one has one room and one has another room. And yeah, and then there's like this humongous, it's almost like, um, um, it looks like a small, little baseball field that's set up in the middle of my living room that has like this, this catch fence basically. So you can just put the baby in there and, yeah. um, and let them just run around in circles. Um, and empire, so, man. right, exactly, exactly. Until they decide I would like the rest of the house to be my empire and please get yeah. me out of here. Um, but whatever yeah, they want, right? Exactly. But yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's an interesting conundrum. They're so small when they take up so much room, but yeah, uh, well, we we're, we're registering for everything for the baby <laughs> I'm and like, you need a whole need storage that. room just for all the yeah, stuff you're registering yeah. for. Well, we're looking at all this random stuff. I'm like, we don't need that. And my wife's like, yes, we do. I'm like, no, we don't. There's no way we need this. It's like, no, you don't understand. And apparently I don't understand because, like, I, I, there's proof to what she's saying. Like, I'm dead wrong. Like, I think it's just a baby. Like, I mean, you, you need special soap for the baby. You need special fabrics for the baby. You need, like, I mean – there's this flower thing you put in a sink. I'm like, good night. This is ridiculous. You're, like, you're going to learn, insane. man. You're going to learn. Yep. I've got a lot to learn, man. I, I need to brush up on my reading in the, that area. But, no, God's good, and we're looking forward to it. Well, as as a longtime father of two for two years, I'm pretty sure I have all the answers for you. I can tell you everything that yeah. is to fatherhood. I'll be sure yeah. to use that. <laughs> I'll just I'll just pass it along to you. No one else knows more about it than I do, so I'll just, I'll just help you. you out with all that. But, uh, wow. So – um, you have the opportunity to be a pastor. You have the social media, the, the social media design work. And, and for guys sure. that might be curious, that listen in. Uh, and if it's not, again, not a, it's not a cookie cutter thing as far as yeah. how much it's piece by piece. I'm sure. But just so people, churches understand, what would a church be looking at for? Maybe give us an example of something a church would commission you to do, and what kind of costs would be around that? If there's a church out there that might be interested in hiring you for that. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I do that all the time. I mean, people, I don't, I don't do routine or programs or anything like that. Like some guys do, um, but I try to make it affordable for pastors. Now businesses, I don't hold back. Like, I'm just going to be honest. If it's a business, I'm going to charge you like what it's going to cost. But for, for pastors and for, for ministries, I really, I really try to be fair and and pretty reasonable Um, for a logo for like a rebrand. I I normally charge a hundred bucks and that's it flat. And they get the the rights to it. They they own the logo. And uh, for tracks, you know, normally I make around it's it's about eighty dollars just for custom work, eighty to a hundred dollars depending on how like deep the work goes. Um, and I don't really I I don't do hourly uh, just because you know it can change. But like I said, with churches, like I just I want to be fair and I want to be affordable. I know churches these days, like it's just the truth. People do judge the book by its cover like Uh with churches like with you with making that first impression let's be honest i mean even we do it sometimes we look and we'll we'll see like a church facebook page like some janky like picture of like a bloody jesus on a cross in black and white and you're like oh okay you know i don't (laughs) don't know about that and so like it it makes a difference it really does and i want to help churches in that area so i I wouldn't say it's a ministry because i make money off of it i mean it's it's profitable for me um but at the same time you know i i don't want to rip guys off you know i've talked to so many guys and they've said you know we we go through these businesses and these businesses i'm not talking about independent baptist guys but i'm just Mm -hmm. saying we go through these places and they charge through the nose like i mean three hundred dollars per hour i mean it's just nuts right um but but you know i just want to provide something that's so typically, um, if you're getting tracks done, obviously you'd pay what it costs to print and, and to ship. But 
Um, it, on top of that, it'd be about 80 to a hundred dollars for custom work most of the time. And then a hundred bucks for a rebrand. So that's basically the, the extent of what I do mostly. Um, I, I do do websites, but I don't do them for other churches cause that's a huge commitment and I just don't have the time for it. Absolutely. Um, so. Well, and, and that, that's a, that's probably a good money maker businesses when you can when you can get them because it takes so much time. But for those that are listening, if you have no clue how much design costs or you've never used Photoshop or Illustrator or even Publisher to make something you know sure. for your church, those are obscenely low prices. I'm not, I'm not saying raise your prices, but I'm saying for those. Yeah, are I need to you, do inflation. You, there, there you go. In all <laughs> seriousness, those that are listening. You jump on. I mean, even an app like Fiverr or something like that, where you can have people yeah. do gigs for you and stuff. I mean, sure. number one, you're helping out a guy who started who, who's starting a church. Um, but that, that, those are those are really good prices. Um, and knowing that, I might I might tuck that away and use it use it at some point. Yeah. Here. But um, yeah, the uh, one one of the things I've noticed. Uh, about you and some of the other pastors up there um, is the camaraderie that you guys have. I really yeah. appreciate that. Sure. Um, can you talk about, did that camaraderie, maybe just give us the big picture on how that kind of came to be. Did it predate yeah. you guys all getting there or, or, or how, yeah. how did, how did it come to be? You guys are going and soul winning for different, different churches and different things. I love sure. all that. And, and give us the, 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 the game plan for how that came about. Yeah. Uh, well, man, you know, when, when I got up here, um, you know, I, I don't want to put anything in a negative light, but I, it's just I don't think it's ecumenical when guys who are like minded and are, you know, sound doctrine like and I, I don't say that in a way like, oh, you know, they have drum sets, but they still believe in the virgin birth. I don't mean it like that. I just mean like, you know, these guys are all pretty much on the same exact page, except for maybe very, very small differences. And so uh, I think we got disconnected here. Did, did I lose you there? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I, 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 I completely lost what you, you were saying for one second. That's okay. After I asked the question, go back to that if you don't mind. Sure. Okay. So um, basically what I was saying is, you know, when I came up here, when I came to New England, it, there was already like a great spirit of unity. And these guys, I mean, especially these older men, I mean, they just, their arms are wide open to guys coming because they've been praying for laborers for decades to come and, uh, and help and start churches in this area because it's so desolate. I, I, really, it is. I mean, you've got millions of people up here and very few churches that, like trying to reach these people. And, um, you know, you hear different reasons, it's hard or this or that. But, you know, these guys, when you come up, I mean, they just, there is that camaraderie. And it was here way before I, I was up here. Uh, but when we came up, uh, some of us younger guys, like there's like this wave of younger guys had have come. Um, now we need like a hundred more in, in Boston alone. Like we, we need way more guys than what we have now. But with this wave, you know, we just decide, hey, you know, uh, we believe basically exactly alike. You know, we, doctrinally we're the same. Uh, when it comes to methodology, we're the same. Uh, when it, you know, there might be very slim, small differences, uh, and that and that's why I said, you know, we're we're not ecumenical. Yeah, you know, we're we're not. This isn't like you know, we're not compromising. Uh, it, first of all, it, that should tell you we're going soul winning together. You know, that's not what neo evangelicals do uh, right. together. So. So this isn't like some kind of new way that we're not trying to, you know, uh, we're not trying to do anything wrong or rebellious or anything, uh, but we're just guys who believe in the King James Bible. We believe in soul winning. We believe in traditional music. We believe in, you know, we're, we're down the line. Uh, but what we want to do is we want to, we want to build a camaraderie for these younger guys. Like we've got young guys and let's just be honest here. There are young guys who get sick and tired of some bad spirits sometimes. And they turn away from that and they look for something else. Now, I'm not justifying that, but I, I just want to be a guy who's old time religion and embracing those who are in my age bracket. I, I want them to know, hey, listen, there are young guys in this thing. You don't it, just because you're young. It doesn't mean you have to go and try other stuff. Like you don't have to go and, and do, you know, the, the Neo stuff and run to Hillsong for your music. You don't you don't need to compromise. Uh, to have a successful church in this day and age, um, God is still real. And God still works the same way. And we're trying to do it together and God's working. And so we want to embrace those younger guys while at the same time 
keeping that relationship with the older men because we need the older men just as much as we need the younger. Um, there needs to be that connection. And I don't know why, man, why it's like this. But for some reason, the younger get pitted against the older and, and, and vice versa. Man, we need each other. And um, these guys, you know, who are up here have been faithful for decades. You just can't throw that out. I mean, that's, that's a valuable uh, a relationship with these men uh, who would have been serving when, when nobody has showed up in their church for years. And that's real deal stuff. Like these aren't guys looking for a national platform. These are guys who are literally in the trenches and just plowing away and just trying to serve God. And they're faithful. Um, we need that advice. We need that counsel. We need that relationship. And so what we do is we just, uh, we started something called Ignite Boston. And this is more of a local thing uh, that we started, but we, we just start inviting other pastors local to greater Boston to get together every Friday. And what we do is we pray from 12 to 2. And I know it sounds terrible, but there's no food involved. Uh, so for us like Baptists, I know we hate that, but we don't involve any food. Um, we we want to get with too spiritual for me, man. That's, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> maybe that's why we don't have thousands of people coming. But no, we we we've got good groups coming out, and and what we do is from twelve to two, we just pray. We take turns praying, and the main thing we pray for is for the devil to be bound, for God to bind the hands of Satan in our city, and for the loss to be loosened, for uh, God to pour out His Spirit on our city to revive us, man. It came, honestly, from I've been reading about men of these revivals and, and the things that God's done in the past with their great awakenings. And, uh, man, I, it's insane. These guys had a prayer life. That was it, man. You know, a lot of times we point to the men of the revival, but, you know, it was the God who did it of the man. And th these men, these pastors, there are hundreds of pastors we've never heard of that are you can account the revival to their prayers spending hours and days in prayer like they had prayer lives and we we get all you know dramatic sometimes as young guys we get gung ho like i'm desperate for god i'm desperate to see revival we say that but we hardly spend like an hour in prayer every day you know and that convicted me you know i, I read a george whitfield george whitfield wrote of himself he said there's been days even weeks at a time where i've spent just in one position, muttering and murmuring to God in prayer. Weeks. You know, no wonder they had power. I mean, no wonder they had the touch of God on their lives because they were desperate for it. And I hear that. And I'm like, I'm not desperate. That, that's not that's not desperate. If I'm not missing sleep for prayer, if I, if I don't have sleepless nights, if I'm not giving up, you know, days of food, if I'm not, you know, and the truth is people are like, oh, that's just radical. That's radical. But I honestly believe this. If our city is radically sinful, then there's a need for us to be radically spiritual, period. Right. You know, you can say anything you want, but we've got to get radical. We've got to get back to, we get so, we, we get in our Baptist lazy boy, basically, and we just chill out and we, we, we sit back and we have all of our growth methods and we have all, and I'm not against any of those. Like I use programs and I'm for them. I, I'm all for them. But it's when we get caught up in the CEO and the organization, and that's my downfall is I get caught up in the organizational aspect of ministry and we see people come and everything. But, you know, something I've learned, and like, like we said, we're no experts here, but something God's really taught me is programs may bring people, but prayer is what changes people. And I want these people to come and get changed. I want them to get revival. I want them to get that. And it's not going to happen unless we pray. It's just not. And so that's the whole goal. Like we want to get together and we want to faithfully pray um, it, it, and for the years to come, like this isn't just like a, a seasonal thing. Like, we want to do this every single week for the next decade or 20 years or 30 years until we see God give revival. And what we do after we pray is we go out, we go soul winning together and uh, we try to win people to Christ and we go soul winning for the church that we're at that week. Um, so we're just trying to work together, build camaraderie and, um, and try to win the loss kind of gives us a heart for other areas in our city. And it, it, it just, it's a really awesome time man. it's refreshing. And uh, it's something I need honestly every week. So it's, it's awesome man. God's blessing. And, you know, I'll say this, I was talking to uh, brother Dwight Smith. He's an evangelist uh, in America here and he's a great man, a uh, great preacher. I was talking to him about prayer. He was telling me about this great revival that happened a few years ago how thousands of people came to Christ. And he told me, he's like, you know, every church, they wanted to have the preacher of that revival in their church so that they could have the revival. 
He's like, but little did everybody know that for the past 10 years before this revival took place, pastors were getting together every Monday and were praying together for God to bring revival to their city. You know, that's the stuff. Our flesh just points at the man. You know, we just say, oh, he's a good preacher. And he does have touch of God on his life. We, I don't, I'm not trying to negate that. But there was like a decade of faithful prayer, like soul travail prayer behind that. There were tears. Like there was, there was guys who got together and said, let's throw down in prayer and watch God do miracles. And that's what I want, man. I just want God to do miracles in Boston. It's been too long since we've seen God blow through a city. It just has. And I want to see God do it in Boston, man. Amen. Amen. The, I, I, I love the, um, the, the intensity that's, that's evident. I, I was thinking it, it's, it's going to sound probably funny, but I think of the biblical example of, of Jacob, uh, grab, you know, wrestling with the Lord. Yeah. Know, yeah. Right. But it, it, again, this is going to sound funny. I was, I was on, I don't know. I think I follow a page called on Instagram called something like nature is savage or something like that. Sure. Um, it's basically, if don't, if you are, you know, thin skinned and you don't like blood or whatever, do not look up nature is savage. And most of you okay. um, but it's basically animals being animals, um, you know, like okay. real thing. And so there's this video of like a mountain lion or something. I want, I want to say it's taking a goat or, or something, but it like launches, takes this thing down, and they start tumbling down the mountain. I mean, not, not like a hill, but they're falling and falling and falling. And I can't, can't remember the caption or something, but it was something along the lines. And what triggered the thought was you use the word desperation. When you are so desperate for something like that mountain line was to eat, it, it, it was amazing. It held on all the way down the mountain, finally hmm. stops at the bottom licks its wounds while it still has a claw in this mountain lion uh, in the goat and then starts eating it, 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 it go bonk, you know bonk 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 all the way down but the desperation that it wanted what it wanted yeah it yeah man and i think of you know jacob wrestling all night when's the last time i or any of us wrestled all night with god yeah you know and, and that persistence right and jacob got what he wanted he yeah wanted. yeah um, yep. and it, it's, um, man, it, it, it's so needful. And, and, and yeah. you, you said in your, I get maybe kind in saying that, you know, the spiritual or biblical illiteracy in Boston, you said in Boston, in the Northeast, but you know, as well as I do, it's across America. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It, absolutely. absolutely. Um, it, it's astounding. And, yeah. and, and that's not even to say the Christians that this yeah. illiteracy. Sure. It's nuts. Um, yep. I, I'm glad to see an area. I know there's many others, but I'm glad to see an area where people are, you know, getting serious about um, what what the business of God being about their father's business. What, what are some other uh, um, things that, that would be of interest? And, and it's interesting. I was gonna, I'll get to that in just a second. But the way I heard of you or, or saw you at all was through social media. Speaking sure. of that tool of social media. Yeah. Uh, I think we are to some degree kindred spirits, if I can say that, in yeah. what we want to do for God. And it was uh, um, cool to see, you know, a guy who I have no knowledge of whatsoever. Uh, yeah. you, you were saying before, I think before we went live, you know, I'm, I, you know, you're into baptizing babies and all that stuff. And I'm joking for this. <laughs> uh, but and I didn't know you from, from anybody, but just just seeing what you were about and reading up a little bit about you and, you know, saying, you know, it's you know, a statement of faith and things like that. It's pretty easy to figure out what you're about. Sure. But uh, what are some other things that, that you guys have going on that maybe other folk places could model might inspire some places to try something new? Well, you know, I, I mean, we, we try ideas and, and, you know, we, you know, some of them fail and some of them do well. Um, really, we're just trying to trying to be creative for the Lord in certain areas. By no means am I like some master innovator or anything like that. But, you know, what I do is I just get on the phone with a lot of guys, uh, older guys, and I just call men who are decades ahead of me and say, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And um, so so some of the ideas that we do, uh, we use, I think this is what you're asking. We, we use something called Lyft Concierge. Uh, for our church, we have something, uh, we, we use Lyft, uh, like Uber. Mm -hmm. uh, they, it's a ride-sharing service. And for our members, because in an inner city, not a lot of people have cars. 
And so we have some people and they live like 15 miles away and they could take public transportation, uh, but sometimes the schedule's a mess on Sunday and it's hard for them to get in. Uh, so what we do is we have uh, a partnership with Lyft and we can schedule out rides ahead of time. And any church can do this. You know, you, you can do this to any church. You start an account on Lyft Business and you, you have a concierge and it's a portal you go into on your website or, or online with Lyft and you plan rides ahead for the date to come and uh you can send out so if you don't have a bus maybe you can't afford a bus ministry yet and you're a brand new church you're in the inner city or even if you're anywhere where lift is available um man that's been great for us we, we've been able to have families come every week because of that and it's it's you know it's cheap it's about 15 dollars uh total for every family who comes in so it's like eight dollars there you go ahead. You were saying eight dollars sure. there, dollars back. Yeah, eight dollars there, eight dollars back, like eight or seven dollars. It's normal. That's normally how much it costs. Um, so it's not expensive. It's and you can set up the account for free, and it's really been beneficial for us. That's one of the things. Um, man, we, we use social media. I use Facebook advertising, and I know a lot of other churches do. And man, get in on that. Uh, I, I'm for putting an ad in the paper. But just as far as views are concerned and, and price, man, for 25 bucks, you literally get seven times more uh, views than you wouldn't by putting something in the newspaper for 300 bucks. It's just, I mean, it's amazing the opportunity we have right now uh, to get the word out about our churches. And so, uh, and that doesn't take the place of soul winning, obviously. But, um, you know, one, one of the other things we do that um, the Lord put on our hearts is, you know, when we go soul winning, this has really helped our soul winning ministry. We go soul winning, we'll walk down the street before you even knock a door and we'll just pray for that street. And I read about that. I was reading about revivals of the past. I read about how pastors uh, would just walk through the streets of their town praying and people would see them and say, what are you doing? I'm the guy who prays for the street would normally be the answer they give. And, um, you know, what we do is we just pray for every house before we knock them. And then we'll go back and we'll knock those doors. And it's amazing what God will do with that. It doesn't mean everybody's ready for revival. It doesn't mean, you know, it, but but we go through those streets. We pray for every door and, and God, God's worked through hearts. God's allowed us to plant seeds. And I don't know if, you know, if that's the answer or not, but I just, we, would, we just want to do things by faith, man. I just want to do everything I can. And and so those are just some of the ideas that we, we've tried utilizing in our ministry and, and the things that we've been doing. Um, like I said, I'm no mastermind and glory to God. Like this is all stuff. I get ideas from other guys and I just kind of steal ideas and try to use them and, and see how they work. Uh, and, and I do want to say, you know, we never let any anything take the place of the fundamentals. You know, we only want to enhance. So for soul winning, there's nothing that takes the place of soul winning. If anything, we want to enhance our soul winning efforts. Um, and, and so that, that's that's mainly that's our mentality behind it. We don't look for anything to replace. We're just into enhancing. So absolutely, that's someone actually just commented, Jeremy Houston, a friend of mine, that's a pastor of Foundation Baptist in Illinois. Uh, actually asked, um, how many independent Baptist churches are there in the greater Boston area? Well, uh, according to my knowledge, I, you know, sometimes I find some pastors, they're not bad for it, but they're isolationists. And that's just how it is. Um, and that's okay. That's fine. I, there's there's no like Bible commandment that they need to be a part of Ignite Boston or anything like that. Sure. But, um, you know, I, I believe in the greater Boston area, I believe there are around 13, maybe 14 churches. And that's not an exact number, but you have to think about this. There's four and a half million people in greater Boston. And um, I'll say this in Boston proper, like, I mean, Boston prop in, in inner city, Boston, which isn't even residential. It's mostly businesses like they've got residential areas, but it's mostly a business oriented town um, in, in Boston proper. There are 60 Dunkin Donuts. OK, and, and so there's 60 Dunkin Donuts, but there's only to my knowledge. Now, I could be wrong, but to my knowledge, there's one independent gospel preaching Baptist church, one. In, in inner city. And I know guys who, who have told me, you know, I want to go start a church in inner city and in inner city. And man, I'm all for it. But I'll be honest, there's been guys who said that and then kind of just, you know, and, and if God directs you differently, that's totally fine. Like, I don't hold that against anybody. Uh, but man, we just need more guys to surrender. And the, the truth is, if you're coming to Boston, you're not coming for a paycheck, you know. 
It, it's, it's, I hate to say it, but when you graduate Bible college, there's that like great temptation to stay and just ride coattails, like, and, and just be like, this is so much easier. I don't, I, I have a job, I have a set amount of income, you know, everything is already taken care of. I know exactly what's going to happen. When you come up here and literally leave everything, um, you don't know how you're going to make do. I mean, there's been months where we were like, how are we going to stay here? And, you know, we, we try our best to stay out of debt, but, uh, you know, there was times where it was like, man, we might have to go in debt and, but God has provided and we ha- we're not in debt. I mean, God's kept us debt free. God's provided and paid our bills and really uh, got us through like the hardest of financial times. My wife was pregnant. She had hyperemesis. She was very sick, couldn't eat anything. She was out of work for like 10 weeks and, um, you know, we had no income. Uh, someone who co-signed on our lease, uh, back last year, uh, they took their name off the lease, and with that came the money they put for the down payment. Our landlord called. It was December. It's right after Christmas. Said, "Hey, you need to give us three grand by January eighth, or you're out of there." And I'm thinking, my wife is pregnant. How are we going to do this? And we we got together. We prayed, and um, you know what? The Lord, He just came through in the month of January. Like I'll say this, I'll, I'll be transparent, but for the month of January. God literally sent us just by random checks. Like we didn't put a sign around our neck and said, hi, you know, we'll work for food. Like we need help. Like we didn't do that. We didn't start a GoFundMe, you know, and, and I'm not totally, I'm not against that either. I believe there's right cases for that. Uh, but, you know, God sent checks in from random churches, from random people totaled up to about $10,000 in January. And man, there's nothing better than, than God's economy from his hand to our mouth. That's how, man, that's how it should be. And I feel like so many Christians miss out on that. And that's really what they're doing. They're missing out. I mean, there's nothing better than that. And God provides, just come up here. If you're a young guy, you're watching this right now, come up here. Stop worrying about how much money you're going to make. There's jobs up here. People pay money for you to work up here. Okay. Minimum wage is $12 an hour. Okay. You can come work at Chick-fil-A for $12 an hour. And um, man, just come up here. Not Be willing to make something out of nothing. Be willing to watch God make out of nothing and, and watch him do it. Step out by faith. That's what we need, honestly. Um, if you're if you're going to come up here looking for a paycheck or looking, and I don't think that's what a lot of guys do. I, obviously, I believe, you know, but sometimes we're like, well, will I make any money? And it's hard. It is hard. But man, step out in faith. If God's calling you up here, come. We'll welcome you with open arms. You can work for me and I'll pay you nothing. But you can still work for me and I, I, I could use the help, but uh, no, man, it, it's awesome. But, but yeah, there's only one in, in Boston proper. And I believe 13 to 14 in greater Boston. I got on a rabbit trail there. Sorry about that. But it's all right. Being, one of the reasons I started this was I like to talk to people that are passionate about things. People sure. that are excited. And uh, so I, I appreciate, it. I'd rather you get a rabbit trails and just give me like a, you know, five word answer and be like, you know, sure. drive. Um, the uh, someone commented, Jeremy commented here. He said, "Comes Chicago too," um, and uh, I'm sure, yeah, I'll, absolutely. Every area it, it is is yeah. so needful. How many, to your knowledge, how many guys are on the deputation trail or about to be headed your direction? Do you have guys in the pipeline that you know of, or is it kind of sparse right now? I know, I know of one guy who is right. He's like right on the fence. Uh, of like he he's praying for God's will right now, and I'm totally for that. And uh, that there's nothing I hold against him at all. I want him to know for certain before he does anything. But then um, there's another guy who's uh, his name is Nick Stelzig, and he's a uh, he's going to be a church planner to Roxbury, West Roxbury, I believe, in Boston, which is a very needy area. It's inner city, uh, so praise the Lord for that. He's a younger guy. He's wanting to start a church, so. Uh, I'm praying for him to to get out as soon as he can. I think right now he's raising support and um, he he's working hard for that. So that's one guy I know. But other than that, really, um, not not many other than that. And like you said, I I do not in any way negate the need in, across America. Like I talk about it because this is like I'm biased. This is our area, but I know, man, there there are places all around, even the most barren like counties and towns with five or six people i know the need is just as important everywhere else um and especially our major cities you know we talked about chicago just then 
you know, D.L. Moody said that um, if we're going to reach our nation, we need to see the cities stirred. He said the highest hills in America are our great cities. And if we can stir the cities, we can stir the whole nation. And I believe that. I believe that's the truth. Um, Chicago, what a giant. I mean, man, I, I can only imagine the need. I don't know all the details, but I can only imagine the need uh, up in that area and in other great cities, too. Uh, but, but even the smaller cities, we're all for it. Listen, man, that's, that's what Revivalist Publications is about is the guys who they might be in some little town nobody's ever heard of and they want to just make a difference. They want to do something. They don't have all the money in the world. They can go ahead and buy tracks knowing that money is going to go towards church planning. They can have an impact just in that small way. Um, and I'm for it. I'm for it. I want to help them out. And, you know, if they want to help us out, that's great. I just want to do teamwork, man. I want to work together with guys who are like-minded. Uh, again, I, I want to emphasize that I, I, we're not getting into the ecumenical stuff, but I want to work with guys who are like-minded uh, for the cause of Christ. That's really what it's about for me. Amen. And those of you that are listening, if if it has been, uh, and we're not done yet, but if it has been a blessing to hear and you think it might help somebody to hear someone that's a little, and I, I joke, a little passionate about what you know he's doing for God, then if you would consider sharing sharing this, if you're on Facebook, or if you have a question you'd like to comment in, uh, please let me know. But hit that share button and let some folks know. Uh, share the link, or if you're on Twitter or something, retweet it. Um, not for my sake, but man, there's I, I'm, I get fired up every time I hear someone get you know get get with it a little bit. I was listening to some podcast, uh, some preaching today. Uh, Tony Hudson and a uh, guy at North Valley, Craig Burcham. Um, I, I tweeted a picture of, um, of, of or a link to, uh, it was How to Study Your Bible by Brother Burcham. And I was thinking, I clicked and I was like, I, Brother Burcham is not, I don't know if you know him or not, but he's not you know, not a dry guy. But um, I was thinking, you know, How to Study Your Bible. You know, I, I need this. I'll, I'll listen to it. Sure. Yeah. He just went nuts for 30 minutes on how great the Bible is. And I was like, Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's all about. But, but that's exactly what you're doing for me, too. And I, I would hope that for other folks as well, um, we all need. Uh, and I appreciate the fact that you're, you you talk about the city, but you also talk about the personal need for revival, too. And you've mentioned that multiple times, how you have read. And on that note, what are some books uh, that you recommend just right off the bat for young men like me or anyone to read yeah. on that note of personal revival? Man, I'm so glad you asked that question, dude. I love to read. And I know you, you, you've expressed that to you love to read and you're a reader. Honestly, man, I, I've got to be, there are two books. I like, I don't mean to sound like an old, like the you know, old preacher who just knows everything. Like I know a lot of older preachers, they have the right to say every young preacher needs to read, but I believe every young preacher needs to read Secret Power by D.L. Moody. And what was it? Secret Power by D.L. Moody. Okay. And then Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. Okay. That book by Leonard Ravenhill has revolutionized my prayer life. Now, obviously, the Bible is the most revolutionizing book. I understand that. And I read that more than any other book. It's not to negate the Bible. But Leonard Ravenhill, basically, he gives an account of men, like from past revivals, of men who saw revival and the means they saw it by was prayer. He talks about why revival tarries today. And essentially, I'll give you the whole premise right now. Now, read the book because it's going to be a lot more beneficial. But the premise is this. Revival tarries because we don't pray. That's just it. Because of prayerlessness. That's why. That's why it tarries. Now, obviously, we need to be soul winners, right? And we, we there needs to be work to it. It's not just prayer. Um, there's other aspects of the Christian life. And we don't agree totally with Leonard Ravenhill. He's a Methodist, but back then Methodists were, you know, they, they weren't as many of ours. Yeah. And he says some things that I don't always agree with. And I'm not the kind of guy who, who just reads everybody and spits out the bones. But I mean, he uses King James. He's, he's pretty down the line in a lot of areas, but in that area of prayer, man, has changed my life. I, that book has really set me on fire. Uh, what I did was I, I called and texted several preachers who I like, I believed had God's hand on their lives. And I asked them, I said, what is a book that really helped your prayer life? And that was one of them. And then another one is, um, is praying Hyde, the life of, of John Hyde. And, um, he, 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 man, God really used him. And he was just a man of passionate prayer. Uh, read about David Brainerd's prayer life, man. Uh, that's, that's intense. 
Um, you know, I, I've heard several, I haven't read it, but I've heard several good reviews about a, a journal by David Brainerd. Um, David Brainerd's journal, you could read of the things he wrote every day. And it's, it's amazing. The same struggles we face, like he seemed to face those struggles. Uh, but the prayer life of David Brainerd literally set on fire the hearts of several other great missionaries like William Carey. Like they read this book and it set their hearts on fire in the matter of prayer. And it just caught fire. And that's the thing. Fire catches, right? It's contagious. And um, man, that that book by Leonard Ravenhill, Why Revival Terries, and by D.L. Moody's Secret Power are life-changing. I read both of them every year. Um, and uh, you know, I, I just, I, those are the two that stand out. I read biographies. Biographies are great um, to read, you know, missionaries. Billy Sunday's a great biography. Uh, uh, but man, my favorite books are like books on topics, like subjects. And um, I love reading uh, from, from guys of the past, like who I know they finished well. I'm not, I'm not against reading guys from today either. I do. I read from guys who are around today. There, there are great guys who, who give helpful insight for today's uh, issues and, and the things that happen today. But man, I just love reading about guys who finished well. You know, they, you know, they finished well. They had God's touch on them. There's no doubt about it. And I, I like reading after guys who are humble who are me, you know, man, we don't deserve any of the glory, man. It's all, it's, it's all God. And uh, for us to sometimes think we're, we're something special or, you know, it's just, I don't know, man. I just feel like God's so far from that. I, I want to honor God. I want to please God. And I feel like when we take the glory for ourselves, like we are literally ruining uh, the potential for God to do something amazing in our lives. And um, so I like reading about guys who are very meek in spirit. And that's what I love about D.L. Moody, man. He's so simple. Like he's my favorite guy to read after. Like he takes complex things and just simplifies it. He doesn't feel the need to wax eloquent. He doesn't mean now, now Spurgeon does that. And I am, I'm nothing against Spurgeon. I love reading Spurgeon lectures to my students is awesome. It's just, I feel like I'm reading a math book sometimes because I'm like spending an hour trying to get through two pages, kind of trying to figure out what he's saying. Maybe I'm just stupid. I don't know. But, uh, but the truth is like, Moody is awesome because he simplifies everything and he's just very like humble in the manner he is. He's just himself and he's not ashamed of it. He he wants to just serve God. You can read his heart when you read from him. And uh, man, I love reading after those guys. So. Amen. Amen. The uh, man, I, I, I love the thought that you just brought up about reading after guys that finish well. Um, yeah. It's been kind of on my heart the last couple of days, and you, you wouldn't necessarily know my wife's had some pretty serious health issues over the past, uh, well, going back a year now, but especially the last two months. Well, for those that may not know, she they found a tumor on her spine that was kind of like constricting her spinal cord and basically mm. lost the use of her lower extremities um, over her legs. And um, and so from where she is now to where she was two months ago, laying in a hospital bed and couldn't move her legs, God has just been so good. And it's that's Amen. due to the prayers of God's people. And so I would like to yeah. thank the amount, of, the amount of people that have texted and um, uh, the amount of people that have followed up. And that, that's a big thing. There's a lot of people that will pray in the moment, but so many that have followed up and asked how she's doing. Yeah, yeah. And, the prayer request and, and the way I've said it to people is, um, you know, people ask, how's she doing? Is she walking? And she's just about away from her uh, walker, which is so great. And, and I have a point with the story, but she's she's walking yeah. so much better. But what I tell people is the biggest prayer request right now is, for that in my mind, is endurance, is stamina. Because hmm. by late morning, yeah. early, early afternoon, she's just wiped out. Now, having two kids and six weeks of radiation uh, treatments on the remainder of the tumor and all this stuff, doesn't help any of that, but all that to say endurance. And I was thinking, uh, I got to hear Scott Pauley and Sam Davison preach uh, this this last weekend, and yeah. some of the thoughts they were saying, uh, they're preaching, and I, I was thinking, man, that that should be the prayer request for every man of God, endurance. Yeah, because yeah, it, doesn't, good. it doesn't matter everything you're doing, and it has gung-ho and as passion as we both are, and as many sure. men are, we sure. can mess it all up yeah like you're right you're right yeah endurance and, and i've thought um i i am i've never been a runner um but in a short burst of speed i could you know i can move okay but yeah. past that, that first hundred yards not so good sure yards, sure you know i think when i get that quarter mile we are done yeah um, <laughs> but how are we how am i in the spiritual realm how, yeah how 
long am I going to be able to keep it going? And I think you, you gave us a great clue in prayer, constantly, yeah. constantly siphoning off from God. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is, is a huge, huge help. Um, and so all that say, thank you for, to those that have been praying for my wife, but also, man, we've got to be men of prayer. Otherwise, yeah. the never going to happen. Yeah. You know, we're, we've been going, we're getting, getting closer now. So I'm, I'm going to do for just a moment here. Uh, we're going to keep yeah. it going here uh, in just a little bit, but um, I'm going to actually keep it going just on. So if you listen, listen closely, if you're just saying it, just on the Mike and McCurry live Facebook page. So I'm going to go ahead and, and hit uh, stop on YouTube and uh, Periscope um, and my personal Facebook page and Twitch and all that. And if you'd like to, you can jump over on Mike and McCurry lives Facebook page uh, and listen into the last little bit. We'll just be on for another 10 minutes or so, uh, but I appreciate yeah. Uh, brother Nick White uh, being with us. Um, and so if you're listening, feel free to jump in over there, ask a few more questions, and do a little deep dive on, on just a few other concepts I'd like to get into. But that will be in just a second. So I'll give you a second to jump over there. So if you see it's just Micah McCurry in the title, you're not on the right page. Micah McCurry Live is where we're going to finish up. And so I'm going to go ahead and end those here in just a second and uh, give folks a chance to jump over on Micah McCurry Live. Now, give us, while people are doing that, and just saying here, give us a little background on your wife and how you guys met. Yeah, well, my wife is uh, from a far country. She was born and raised in West Virginia. And so she's from a different world. Um, She's actually from a town called Looneyville. And uh, that's a real place. And um, there's about, I think, 200 people who live there. I've been there. It's scary. Um, it's just, it's, it's different, man. And, uh, but she's awesome, man. She's, she's, she's an amazing wife. Uh, she was born and raised in a Christian home. And uh, she was actually called uh, to full-time ministry, to full-time Christian service under the same preacher that I was. Uh, which is Tom Farrell. And uh, she went to a camp, just like I went to a camp. That's where I surrendered to preach. And under Tom Farrell's preaching, she uh, surrendered full-time Christian service. And we met in Bible college. And, uh, you know, uh, we, we didn't, you know, know each other or talk to each other much for the first year that we knew each other. And uh, after a year, I was in a relationship, broke up, got with her, and, and me and Chelsea started talking and dating. And uh, before you know it, we just knew it was right, and, and we got married. And uh, But, yeah, my wife, she, she's awesome. Yeah, she she was a Mountaineers fan, and now she's an Ohio State Buckeyes fan because she got right with God. And I'm a Buckeyes fan, and uh, uh, wow. you're shaking your head. What are you – who do you cheer for if you cheer for well, anyone? I, I think I think we can still be brothers in Christ because if I'm not mistaken, you're a New England Patriots fan as well. No, no, not at all. Oh. I and not at all. Forget no. We're done. We're Absolutely done here. Not. I'm not talking anymore. I, I, I was I was <laughs> confused. I don't know why I thought you were. That's the only reason I had this interview at all. Anyway. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I am a New England Patriots fan. Now college okay. I, my is in the Kansas area, and so Kansas State Wildcats. But I, I, okay. I, shake, I shake my head only because I, I know some friends that are really big into the Ohio State Michigan thing. Sure. And, sure. You know, We're very obnoxious. Time. What's what's that? We're very obnoxious. Well, I mean, you, you have at times you've had good reason to be obnoxious. So yeah, I can understand. Well, obnoxious people are still annoying. <laughs> I mean, like I know a lot of like fans of like uh, Michigan. They, they annoy me more than anybody. And some of my best friends are Michigan Michigan fans, and they're just obnoxious. You just want to slap them in the face after having a conversation with them about it. But no, uh, on a serious note, well, my wife, um, she she's amazing. When she when she surrendered to full time Christian service. God really like turned around her life and uh, my brother-in-law now, uh, brother Justin Cooper, uh, he's an evangelist. He, uh, he really took her under her, uh, under his wing with his wife and um, really made a great impact in her life. And um, man, she loved the Lord. And she, you know, the most amazing thing about it is, you know, we moved, we literally left everything and she's just a country girl. And since we've moved and came up here and, you know, she hasn't complained one time. Uh, she's just been grateful. She's been more grateful than I have been. Um, and she's, she's just stuck with me through the hard times and, and through the good times. I mean, she's, she's a great wife. So. Amen. Amen. Now, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? Brother Nick? I'm 24 years old. I'm a young buck. Yep. Hey, I'm young. I'm, I'm about to be 27. So I've got you okay. by a few. So yeah, you'll be, sure. you'll be me in just a little bit with, uh, with the two kids and, and all yep. that stuff. Probably. Yeah. Um, but man, I mean, I, I appreciate um, what, what you know. They say 
when you are uh, a young man, you have the uh, you have the energy and the time, and then when you come middle age, you have uh, energy and you have the money, but you don't have the time. And then when you get older, you don't have the energy, but you have the time and the money, oftentimes. But so I appreciate guys that, that have some time on their side and they have sure. energy to just go go. Sure. go. And, I describe it as if I, one of the dreams of mine, if God would allow me to, uh, and it sounds hilarious saying it now, but of the three things I would have liked to do if I had my you know, druthers was be in the ministry, be a professional athlete, which everyone can ha-ha in the comments, um, or um, join the military like my dad. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But I, I often thought, you know, if I was going to play professional sports, I would want to play at the highest level, obviously. Or if yeah. I was going to be in the military, and I, I understand that there are nine, at least nine uh, logistics and supply and medical and, you know, transport guys for every guy that's actually kicking down a door, you know, an infantry guy. But, you know, the, the, the young boy in me says I would have wanted to be what, the sharp end of the stick, you know, the guy out there kicking sure. down a door and doing the crazy yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. But oftentimes we, we don't think of the fact that we get to do that in ministry. We get to be out on the sharp end of the stick. And, and, and I'm not, I'm not down, downplaying the fact that we need, desperately, we need solid laymen that are putting yeah. out for yeah, the week. We, we need grandmas that are prayer warriors, absolutely. Yep. But we need the guys walking the streets, praying over souls, and, and, sure. and again, sharpen the stick. And so I appreciate guys that, that are out there doing it. And uh, Praise so, the Lord. Yeah. I, I, get close to uh, the end here. Any, any last words, anything I would say, anything you need to get off your chest, but anything, uh, any, anybody you need to call out or, or anything, anything at all, <laughs> or it can be spiritual or whatever you'd like to say. Sure. Uh, well, you know, I, I would just say, um, you know, I, I don't know a whole lot, but I would just say like to other young guys who might be watching this or whatever, man, I'd love to get to know you. I love to talk to you. And I love this, you know, talking to another guy who's just, you're in the trenches, you're trying to serve the Lord and, and do what you can, uh, man, just go, go all out, man. And I know, you know, you, you want to be careful not to burn out. Uh, but man, you know, I, I, I just want to go all out. And, and like you said, I, I we, we need to be the kind of guys who are the sharp end, who are going forward. And you, listen, you don't need all the talents in the world. All right. You don't, you don't need to be the most skilled guy in, in any area. You don't need uh, to, to be the best speaker or preacher, man. Just have a prayer life, get the power of God in your life, live clean, live pure and like watch God do amazing things. Um, you know, one of the most amazing passages of scripture to me is Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. And, um, you know, I, I think you'd understand me when I say this, that uh, Jesus' body was crucified on the cross, uh, but his will was crucified in the garden. Uh, mm. Jesus died to sell, you know, let this cup pass from me if it be your will. Um, but he, he said, if it be your will, you know, let your will be done. You see, he, he literally, like the first drops of blood that he shed were, was in Gethsemane. You look up the word Gethsemane, the word Gethsemane means to press out oil from olives. And, um, you know, it was obviously a garden with a, a lot of olive trees and everything. And, man, we, we talk about wanting fresh oil. You know, that famous sermon by Jack Hiles, fresh oil, that's what we want. A lot of times we forget fresh oil comes from a pressing. It comes from sometimes suffering. And, uh, man, Jesus in the garden, he died to self. And because of that time, you know, he went on the cross. He conquered death in the grave. And we have the greatest miracle of all, which is salvation. And to me, what I get from that is God performs the greatest miracles through the deadest of wills. Um, we don't need to be great preachers, nationally known preachers. We don't need to be celebrities. Um, I love what Leonard Ravenhill says. He says, I do want my name up in lights. I want my name up in lights. I want the letters to be 20 feet tall. He's like, but I don't want them up in lights here on earth. I want my name up in lights in hell. And he says, you know, you hear uh, about the demon. He said, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? He says, I want to be known in hell. He's like, I, I don't care if I'm known here on earth. I want to be able to shake hell with my prayer life. And man, that stirs me because sometimes we get all up in how many followers do I have and all, how many likes am I getting? How many shares? Like, where's my influence? Am I becoming a big shot preacher? Am I going to preach the conferences? But forget all that. Die to self and watch God do miracles in your life. And that's what I want. Um, you know, and, and look, I'm not, I'm not free of that. I'm not innocent of any of that. If I'm being transparent, there are times pride gets in the way and ego gets in the way and we want to be 
big shot. We want to be able to sign Bibles and preach to teenagers and get all those, you know, the love offerings and everything. And and I'm sorry if there's any guys who've never struggled with that. Yeah, you know, adjust your halo for a second for me, please. Uh, but for me, uh, man, we do struggle with that every now and again. And we got to die to self. We just got to give that up and, and be willing. Maybe that's why we haven't seen revival. It's because we're, we're edging God out. That's literally what to me ego is. I've heard that said before. Ego stands for edging God out. Um, and I, I, I agree with that. You know, we don't need to do that. We need to die to self like Jesus did in the garden. He went to the cross. Because of that, we have the greatest miracle of all, which is salvation. And I want God to perform miracles in our ministry, in our lives. So, Amen. And my follow-up question to that was going to be, what would you say to any young men? But you answered it for me. That was great. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> In all seriousness, and obviously you're accessible. You're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. For guys that are out there, especially young people in college, hit Brother Nick up and say, hey, you know, I'm interested in maybe, and bounce some things off of him. Um, one of the great, one of the awesome things is uh, sometimes we, we feel like um, uh, some of the older men maybe they're not many men I know they're not inaccessible, but we don't want to bother yeah. them sometimes. Uh, yeah, sure. Here's a guy that who, who's in the trenches doing doing and, and but also if you guys are listening, wise enough to say, hey, I don't have the answer to that. Let me refer you to someone that does because sure, it, sure. It's become uh, um, bound up in you know I have all the answers. Man, every day I realize I there's more and more I just don't know. I, I yeah. And the problem, Right. I don't know what I don't know a lot of times. Yeah, and, uh, that's true. That, yeah, it's fantastic. Brother Nick, I, I feel like I'm cutting it short, even though we're an hour. And no, three, no, don't worry about it. But I think, but I think that, that w- w- this kind of sets the stage for an update, you know, a couple months, six months, a year down the road of what Victory Baptist Church is doing, what Revivus is doing, uh, what, sure. what all these different ministries are doing, and, and see some of the results. And I, I'm, I'll pray that it's not 10 years till you see Boston lit on fire. I'll pray Amen. it's six months a year uh, or tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, Amen. Work, and I appreciate that. And uh, tell your wife, thank you for letting us, let, let, loaning us, sure. loaning you to us uh, here. And those that are listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if there are men, young men, that are, oh, if there are people that are like Brother Nick, these are the type of people I'm, I'm trying to talk to. You, you're the type of person I'm trying to talk to. Um, people are talking to me. I'm, I'm helped by it. And so I greatly appreciate it. And for those that listen on the podcast and all that, just lo- uploaded a few more of those. Um, please be patient with me as, uh, um, as I find time in between wife and kids and ministry and all that to upload the rest of them. But uh, thank sure. you so much. Nick, if you stick around for just a moment, we're going to shut this thing down. This has okay. been Michael McCurry Live number 20. Uh, it wasn't 22. It was number 23. I had the wrong title on here. My first faux pas for those that are watching at home. This is number 23. I didn't change the number. If so, you'd like to keep okay. up with what God is doing at the Victory Baptist Church there in the Boston area, follow Nick White on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of those. You will enjoy watching God bless him and that ministry. His wife is expecting here very soon. Be in prayer for that coming up in August, I believe. So, Brother White, I appreciate you giving me the time and hope to do it again very soon. Thank you for listening to Michael McCurry Live number 23 with Pastor Nick White.